When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Here's what's cooking on the day's sports stove podcast. We're talking college sports, the national name, image, and likeness debate, as well as college baseball uh, World Series. We're going to talk Stanley Cup. We're going to talk NBA playoffs. We're going to get into some great NFL conversation. All that and more. That's what's cooking on today's sports stove podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome in to another edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. With me again, as usual, is going to be my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, welcome in. Hey, thank you very much. All right, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, and it's going to be helpful if people can hear our conversation. And one of the great ways for them to hear the conversation is through our sponsor, Skull Candy. Dad, why don't you tell the people about Skull Candy? Hey, Skull Candy's got great deals going now, and like I said, it really helped whether you want true wireless freedom or total musical immersion. Uh, great to get these good deals on Skull Candy. Got $20 off on the Indy Evo True Wireless earbuds and get them now for $49.99. So check this out. Again, it's in the Skull Candy link um, on the YouTube description, the Facebook or Twitter comment sections, or in the podcast notes. And check out these great deals. We appreciate our sponsor, Skull Candy. Yes, and we're also sponsored by Yeti Coolers. July 4th is right around the corner, and summer is in full swing. And Yeti has everything you need to heat up for the holiday weekend. Uh, all weekends to follow that as well. The Roadie 24 Hard Cooler to store drinks and food. The Rambler 12-ounce Colster Can Insulator to keep your drinks cold. And the Crossroads 22-inch Luggage for your travel are just some of the great products that will enhance your summer experience. Click on the link in the YouTube description or the podcast notes and in the comment sections, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, click on those links so that they know that we sent you. Get all that you need for this summer from Yeti Coolers. 
All right, Dad, I want to start off uh, right into it with the name, image, and likeness in college sports. Uh, We have both said we're not sure how in the world they're going to manage this, um, how it's going to be, uh, you know, looked at from the authorities, how in the world they're going to handle this so it doesn't get out of hand. Already, I know in Lexington, all the Kentucky football players, man, they're out there doing everything they can to get paid for anything. Uh, We're going to try to help your business. Yeah. Uh, Okay. And, uh, but I continue to just, to think about how in the world is this going to work? Should college payers be paid? I kind of lean towards the idea of no. I think uh, they get a college education. That should mean something. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see exactly where it comes from. What are your thoughts on the name, image, and likeness? Well, I think, um, like you said, we've talked about it. It's going to be awfully hard to manage. Uh, there's going to be schools lining up, you know, attracting people because they've got better opportunities there. So I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I think um, it, it probably won't work real well. And maybe that was the idea. And it will lead right into getting paid with college athletes. But it'd be very interesting to see how it works. Yeah, it's it's tricky, right? Because it's it's not just as simple as pay them for their name, image, and likeness. You've got the boosters. You've got uh, coaches who are already cheating. Now they're going to be cheating just in other ways. So there's going to be a lot to manage when it comes to the name, image, and likeness. And in Kentucky, right now, they're as wide open as anybody is when it comes to this. And they're going to have an opportunity to, um, I guess, cheat might be the right word for it. I'm not sure. Uh, John Calipari is already known for being able to work uh, right on the edge of the rules. So, you know, you're going to add that to an already kind of murky situation in college sports. I'm intrigued to see how it works out. I, I think that college players, you know, it's going to work for some. It's going to hurt others, I think, at least. And ultimately, I think it's going to be bad for college sports. Do you see any outcome where this works out good for college sports? No, because, again, college sports is, I think, in trouble as far as getting away from it just being, you know, athletics, uh, having fans wanting your team to win. There's too much money involved, and that's what's kind of driven everything. And, um, you know, there's people saying, well, hey, schools make a lot of money, so the kids ought to be able to, too. But like you said, they get an education. Uh, If they're good enough, they're going to, you know, they're going to have the opportunity to make money at the next level. Um, You know, college right now, there's a lot of advertisements on TV with college sports going on, you know, that a small percentage are going to play professional sports. Uh, How is this image and likeness going to change that? Are some of the minor sports that you don't go professional in now, you know, um, is that going to be good or is that going to be bad? Um, you know, it depends, especially locally, because some of these places have schools that are bigger on baseball, girls, softball, gymnastics, um, where there could be real opportunities, not necessarily nation, nationally, but uh, locally. 
And, um, you know, maybe that will be good. I don't know. But I think from managing it, like you said, from a recruiting standpoint, this looks like a nightmare. Yeah, it's gonna. It's good for the individuals. There's no question about that. I think it's bad as a whole for your major sports. I think it's going to just keep on drawing people away from it a bit. And you know, you made some some really good points there for the uh, you know not the non big money sports. There is an opportunity now for some recognition, and honestly, maybe for some of these guys that are um, lesser seen but are talented. Maybe this helps them get seen by scouts or get seen in different areas too to get an opportunity that maybe they wouldn't have got otherwise. Uh, but for me, it's just an incredibly scary situation. I don't see how it's going to be good for the sports world. And, uh, it's going to cause, I think, all kinds of headaches, uh, for recruiting issues and violations and wins being taken away five years later and things like that. That's just going to be just a mess long term. Uh, overall from there going on right now in college sports is the uh, NCAA college world series being played between Vanderbilt and Mississippi state. I want to start with the uh, COVID cancellation uh, of NC state season where they came out and said, uh, you know, due to COVID uh, violations or protocols, they're removing NC state from the tournament. Vanderbilt advanced uh, without having to play and, you know, you look at this for NC State, they were making an incredible run. They defeated the number one overall team in Arkansas. And, I mean, was there no other way to handle this where NC State had a chance to actually play their way in? Or or was this the right thing and the only thing that the NCAA could do? Well, I, I think I'm sure they had to make a decision quickly. Everybody's wondering, you know, what's going to happen when you have a COVID issue at a really big game or at a championship or at a playoff. And I don't know if this sets a precedent because it's the NCAA and not professional sports, and they would probably handle it differently. But, um, I, I mean, I think there's a question. If they let NC State play one game with a depleted roster, then why wouldn't they let them play another game with a depleted <laughs> roster? I believe where they made the mistake, is when it happened, they should have postponed the game and took time to look at this. What's going to happen? What can we do? What are our options? Made it tricky because it's not the championship. So if they're going to reschedule and do something crazy, which would be hard to do because it's in Omaha and everything, um, and then NC State loses the game, it's like, well, why did we go through all of this? Um, I guess an interesting question, which we'll never know, would be, uh, NC State, you know, they had bases loaded a couple times with the depleted roster. If they would have won the game, then what would they have done with the championship? Um, yep. You know, w- would they have just not been a championship? Mississippi State, you know, what would have they done then? And that's where I think they needed more time to think this whole thing through. Um, and I don't know why they could play one game with a depleted lineup and they couldn't and the other because they had already talked about getting players who weren't on the trip tested you know they could have maybe even had more players um there um i don't know that they've reported that any of the players that played the one game couldn't have played in the second game uh, of course they're going to be careful to say that because if any of that comes up then okay did they go over the video did any vanderbilt player touch any of these guys 
Um, what about the umpires? Are the same umpires calling game, these games? I don't know what they are or not, but if they are, you know, that, like said, I mean, I know they, it happened quickly, but they should have took a step back and looked at all the angles of it um, there. It's unfortunate for NC State, but again, there's protocols, so I don't think they were going to be able to be at full strength. I don't think you could wait till after the protocols are over, um, you know, so um, it's interesting, but um, I don't know that this will set a precedent, um, even in college sports. That's why I think I'm surprised the NCAA didn't step in and just say, okay, let's let's think about this a little bit um, and control it a little more than, um, you know, because even, even the city of Omaha had a say in this. Right. Um, and again, you've already had fans. You've already had people there. They didn't, as far as I know, they didn't keep anybody, you know, from watching the other games. I, it just, it's going to be hard to get that information because I think there's going to be a lot of inconsistencies when you look at it. Yeah, the NCAA continues to just kind of fumble different areas. Um, you know, unless the universities just kind of take over and run it for them, it's usually a mess the way that it ends up. And in this case, you know, I think they said two more players tested positive after the first game. And so there was more, more positive tests. There was a lot of confusion about, um, the players who had been vaccinated and hadn't been vaccinated and different things like that. But, you know, again, you're at this point now where you've got to be so sure that you can't play anymore. And, you know, you say, well, you know, they had to make a quick decision, but at the same time, you know, what else is going on? <laughs> and there's, there's time. And then you got people who have traveled and people who've got hotel rooms and stuff like that. But most of that's family and they're going to stay as long as they can. They would rather everything work out. And you're right. You, the NCAA talked with the people in Omaha, the health people in Omaha or in Nebraska. And, uh, you know, they had their own people. There were others that offered to come in and help with investigating and getting everything figured out. They turned down that help, um, and made that decision. And, you know, if NC State was up, 1-0, would they have canceled it the way they did? Uh, did they kind of look at it and go, ah, chances of NC State winning isn't that good anyhow, so as much as it stinks, this is going to be the way it's going to turn out anyhow, so let's just go ahead and move on with it. I don't know. And Vanderbilt's pretty happy about it because not only are they in the World Series, their best two pitchers are now rested because yeah. they did not have to play that NC State game. And so there's been a lot of talk about this Vandy duo, Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, uh, and they have been phenomenal. So I've got their numbers here. Jack Leiter, he pitched in 18 games, 110 innings, with a 2.13 ERA, 179 strikeouts, a record of 11 and 4. And then Rocker went 19 games, 117.2 innings, with a 2.52 ERA, 173 strikeouts, 14 and 3 record. A lot of conversation about these guys uh, going on to the next level, being top top picks in the draft. Uh, you look at other guys that are out there already from Vanderbilt. David Price, of course, has had a very good career. Um, you've got others. Plenty of Vanderbilt players have come through and had great Major League Baseball success as well. What, what makes this duo so special uh, for college baseball? Well, I mean, again – Vanderbilt is able to attract the best players. And um, I, I'm not sure. I mean, their coach is a great coach. 
Um, as you know, I lived in the Nashville area for many years, uh, followed sports, listened to a radio station that had um, Vanderbilt grabs on it. And so they had Tim Corbin on a lot and talked a lot about it there. And um, again, I, I think they've done well developing players, but they get players that don't need a lot of developing. They just need to get the lineup in the right way. We, if College baseball is not as big a deal, obviously, as football or basketball. But um, the recruiting that Tim Corbin does would be on par with Nick Saban, um, with Coach Cal, with Coach K. It really would. Um, and he's been smart about how to do it. Vanderbilt has not been good with sports. He has paid for everything privately because he has a great setup with his alumni that play Major League Baseball. They have great facilities, and the college didn't have to pay for any of it. A professor didn't lose any of his money for his experiments over this, uh, which has always been the issue there. And, um, you know, and it, it's probably a lot like basketball and football, but I know this summer when the World Series is over, they'll he'll have a baseball camp, and there will be hundreds. The best players in America will come, and basically they're auditioning for a scholarship at Vanderbilt. That's what it's about. They've got them there, and so they can look at them. Not every kid will decide to go there. Probably not everyone comes to that camp, but he really has a choice and a chance to look at them. Um, it's funny how things work. I had a chance at a local fast food restaurant to meet a dad once whose son was at this camp, and that's when I learned about it. You know, hey, my son, you know, uh, he wants to come here, so we want, we came to camp to see if he'd have the opportunity. Um, and I don't know that he ever did. They were from a college town in Illinois. That's how I got talking to him. He had an Illinois shirt on. The dad did. But, um, you know, that's what the son was looking And it was after Vandy had won the World Series. So, you know, they get a lot of publicity, and that helps. But, um, you know, they like I said, they have pitchers, a lot of pitchers that have had great success. And, um, you know, position players also, but especially pitchers. And these two guys have just – you know, have just been dominant. So, Yeah, they really stood out. and I, I think you made a great point about Tim Corbin and the Vanderbilt baseball organization being a lot like Saban, uh, a lot like Cal. And, you know, because if you look at Vanderbilt's football program, it's an utter mess. The, the facilities are a mess. The, you know, the players they bring in aren't good, or at least not up to the level of the competition they play. Uh, basketball, they've had some years where they brought in some good recruits and stuff like that. But Vanderbilt has a high academic, uh, you know, level there for them that they, you've got to meet the academics to get there too. And the baseball program has been able to just flourish in that. And, uh, it's probably the one good thing that Vanderbilt does right now is, is college baseball. And so congratulations to them. They are in the World Series playing Mississippi State. Um, I think they're going to win. Uh, that series, Mississippi State, uh, two SEC teams. Congratulations to the SEC and uh, continuing to prove their dominance in many sports. Uh, but the baseball college world series, if you don't watch college baseball, I get it. I understand. But if you'll just take a little bit of time to watch it, you're going to remember why college sports are so great. And I think you see that both in baseball and in softball. Um, in college sports, they're just better than professional sports in most cases. And, uh, and it's worth watching and paying attention to a little bit there. 
Other things going on and championships happening. The NHL Stanley Cup Cup is underway. Tampa Bay leads Montreal one to nothing with a dominant performance in game number one. Uh, we will see a second game going on uh, tomorrow night, I believe it is, for the uh, Stanley Cup as well. Dad, you know Montreal has kind of been a surprise team this year. Tampa going into the season was expected to be very good. Uh, does Montreal stand the chance? Can they make this a series here in the rest of the Stanley Cup? Um, I don't think so. But like you said, Montreal has been a surprise. Um, but Tampa is very, very good. They seem to really be on their game. You know, at the end of the year, you know, they they, they were still ranked high. But um, they were second, I think, in the conference um, I know Nashville even had a little success against them later in the season, but when they got into the playoffs, they really have taken off. And, um, you know, I would think they win it, you know, four games to one, you know, Montreal may get one in at home, um, but you never know. I mean, Montreal could make a move, but I, I think uh, Tampa, and this will be Tampa second in a row, yep. right? And they won yep. last year they won, last they year, won yep. one other time. So they're going to, um, they've got just an excellent, <laughs> excellent team, and, and I think they got things rolling now. Shea Weber gets fined uh, a fair chunk of money for a, a hit with his stick to the back of the legs. Uh, it looked didn't look that vicious, honestly, to me, but um, he still gets fined for it and uh, will lose a little bit of money for that. It'll be interesting to see if the shift to Canada makes a difference for Montreal and to see kind of what comes out for that. Uh, I'm curious to see how big home ice is in that case, especially uh, there, because Tampa's going to have to go through quite the uh, the checks once they get to Canada. Uh, the the way they're going to be tested, how they're going to be tested, when they're going to be tested, how they're going to be handled the whole time they're there, it's going to be different. And I said from the moment they announced it that it brings a huge advantage to the Canadian team, in this case Montreal. And so I think there's – I'm interested to see – uh, you know, how that how that goes. And, hey, why not? I will throw it out there again. Conspiracy theory. Canadian government, they can fiddle with this a little bit, really put Tampa in a bind, and give Montreal the upper hand. So let's see how competitive Canada is when it comes to hockey. We're told they are, so let's see uh, how much the Canadian government can fiddle with all the COVID tests for Tampa. Uh, Nashville, the, the NHL announced that they are getting an outdoor game February the 26th. Next year, they'll be playing in the Titans Stadium uh, in part of the stadium series. And uh, interesting, 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 Dad. My first thought was, this is great for Nashville. My second thought was, February 26th. That's just a couple of days before March. Uh, I wonder what the temperature is going to be. I looked it up. The average temperature for Nashville at that time of year is 52 degrees. So, my uh, question is, can Nashville host an outdoor game on February 26th? Well, yeah. I mean, they've had outdoor games in L.A., um, and they've had them in Dallas. And, you know, you and I both lived in that area. That's true. That probably is the average. But it it can be cold, (laughs) cold, cold in in the last week in February. It could be 10 degrees. Who knows? It's not not guaranteed. there, but I, I think I mean the NHL's done enough work. Um, you know they can have the ice ready, um, and I I think you know again Nashville 
Um, now that the things are getting back to normal with the COVID, you know, before that, Nashville's a place where everybody wanted to be. Yeah. It's where you could draw. And I think that's still the case because not only do the local people be very supportive and they will be of this, but it's people love to make the trip to Nashville. Um, when people talk about, well, I'm going to go to one away hockey game or two in a year, Nashville, Nashville and Vegas are the two they talk about now. There's no doubt about it. And, um, and again, you know, I mean, Nashville's done a great job of drawing in the country music community, um, you know, the, the star community, and I'm sure that'll be, they'll put on a good show for this. Uh, oh, yeah. The NHL, you know, I think they were very happy the last time they were there. It was just an all-star game. And um, so, you know, I, I guess, yeah, a little surprising. Uh, but as you know, I mean, in Nashville, it can be as cold in February. I mean, they could have had this in, in January and it, or December and it had been a beautiful day. You yeah. never know. You know, we've had snow on Christmas and we've had nothing close to snow on Christmas. <laughs> you, just, you just don't know. Um, so I don't think they're depending on it, on the outdoor weather. I think they've, you know, again, they've been able to play in L.A. And I think they'll be able to make arrangements to play. Um, I think they'd be happier if it's colder. but um, And it might feel a little more like hockey. But uh, it, it should be real interesting. Nashville usually puts on a good show. That stadium, you know, we've been in it. It's It'll be good to watch a game like that. It's not as spread out as some of the stadiums they've been in. Uh, they can be, you know, I mean, I guess they'll put it in one end or whatever, but you're not as far away as some of it. Yeah. Yeah, and Nashville does a great job hosting events. They'll do a great job with this, and you're right, the NHL. Uh, they know what to do. They're they're prepared for it, and the ice will be playable. Hopefully, though, it is colder. You know, I, you don't want it to be 50 degrees. So hopefully it is a colder day. Uh, in Nashville. It'll be a fun, fun event to see. No doubt about that. The NBA playoffs are well underway. Uh, the Eastern Conference finals, Milwaukee versus Atlanta. Milwaukee leads 2-1. They tip off in just a couple minutes. If you're watching us live, uh, for game number four announced Trey Young starting point guard will not be available tonight for Atlanta due to injury. And, uh, so they're going to play shorthanded. Milwaukee should be able to jump up 3-1 here on Atlanta. And, uh, and, and put the knife to the throat, so to say, in that series. Phoenix up 3-2, uh, playoff P, Paul George went off last night, uh, and able to pull out another win for the Clippers. I'm still not concerned about this series. I think Phoenix goes ahead and seals this up in game six. I said that before six games. I said it for both series. I thought they would go six games and uh, I think we'll eventually still have Phoenix and Milwaukee in the finals. Dad, I want to get to the NFL and talk some NFL stuff right now. There's been a couple small things happen here and there, uh, but then just some other things have jumped on my mind. So I'm going to start with the New York Jets. I got asked the other day about teams that I'm looking to to be um, good this year that was unexpected, kind of a surprise team. And the first team that popped in my mind was the New York Jets. And I look at what they've done here in the offseason. Of course, they drafted Zach Wilson at quarterback. Uh, which is, is, you know, is he going to be any good? We don't know. We'll, we will see. Then they brought in, uh, offensive line. They've really shored it up. So they, they drafted Makai Becton last year. This year they draft Elijah Vera Tucker. They just signed Morgan Moses from Washington. And then they've got Connor McGovern 
and Greg Van Roten there on the offensive line as well. And it seems to me in the NFL, if you have a solid offensive line, you can have a successful season. And I'm curious, you know, kind of just what the Jets are going to be this year because you've got a division with Buffalo who should be really good. Uh, New England, who should be better than last year, that's going to still play a little bit to the offensive or to the quarterback situation. And then Miami, which again should be better, but a lot of that leans on Tua. They could be really bad again. So the Jets are in an interesting division where it's kind of up in the air, and they've definitely got a better team this year than they had last year. The big question mark is quarterback. Um, any thoughts on the Jets? Well, I, I, it looks like they're doing the right things. Uh, we'll see, you know, um, again, New York will always be a lot of pressure, but I think the new coach, I think they'll have some time. Um, I think the issue is, are, you know, are they looking better? It'd be great to win more games, but I think if you can see potential, um, we saw that last year, some teams that didn't have a lot better record, but well, they're getting some good players and they're heading in the right direction. Um, and I think the Jets would have a chance to do that. And in their division, you know, they could have an upset. But like you said, um, Miami could really be good. They're kind of in the same position, only a probably a few steps ahead uh, the way it looks. Um, you know, to me, New England, you, you don't ever really know. I mean, they seem like they always come out and are good. But, um, you know, the, the Jets, I think, would have um, – you know, potential, again, it'll be important to get the fan base and to get people excited about them because the Giants are doing better now um, yeah. and, and have potential. So, um, again, but, yeah, building the offensive line, and it'd be interesting to see part of it's how good the quarterback is and part of it is how they handle him. Oh, yeah. You know, do they just throw him in there? Uh, do they have him in a system where he can be successful? Um and um, that'll be a real key. System, you bring it up. Uh, Mike LaFleur, he's going to be running the Shanahan system. And we've seen that we talked about it with Rodgers. We talked about it with Jordan Love. That system works. It's helpful. It's good for quarterbacks. It'll be interesting uh, to see kind of, you're right, what are they going to do at quarterback? Are they going to, you know, it's Zach Wilson's team. They don't have anybody behind them that's going to push them. It is his team. He's got to start from from day one. They got James Morgan and Mike White. Dad, do you know who James Morgan and Mike White are? No. <laughs> okay, so they're not starting week one. Zach Wilson's going to start week one, and and it's going to be his team. The question is, is can they put him in the right place, like you said, to be successful? My last question on the Jets is, do you have more, I guess, confidence in Zach Wilson – at the Jets, or in Tua Tungavailoa in Miami. And Tua, he got benched multiple times last year for a, a retired quarterback, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's still trying to stick around in the NFL. But I don't know. Do you have more confidence in Tua being successful or in Zach Wilson being successful? Um, I think probably both will be good quarterbacks. I think Tua has – really good potential. And I think, again, if they, you know, they have the offensive line, if they have some weapons uh, for him, uh, again, you know, every quarterback, and, and you look back even to Peyton Man, you know, some quarterbacks you throw in right away, 
and it works fine. And some you don't. And I don't think Tua was one that you could just throw in there, but he's going to know the system now. He has ability. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And if, if they tailor it to his, um, you know, his system, his ability, um, I think he can be very successful. Maybe Zach Wilson maybe can be more, um, you know, just based on size and the way he plays. But, again, it'll probably depend a lot um, on the systems. I am out on Tua until he shows me something different. <laughs> it just it was so ugly last year. It was not good uh, really at all. So I'm not saying that he's done and will never make it and will never play or anything like that. I just if I was a Dolphins fan, I would be scared senseless about Tua. If I was a Jets fan, I'd be pretty excited about what's ahead with Zach Wilson. Uh, Paxton Lynch, he lands on a team. Uh, he heads up to Canada. He's going to be playing in the CFL this season. I think we're going to see more of this with these guys. We talked about it in the last episode about different quarterbacks who, if they get another chance, could still have success. I think the CFL, the USFL, the XFL are going to provide some opportunities for guys. Paxton Lynch is the, the most notable name we've heard of in a while. Jump into the CFL. I want to talk about the AFC North. This is another thing that came up in our conversation on Saturday on the radio and uh, was was talking with uh, the local radio show, uh, The Bottom Line, with Brad Taylor. And Brad asked, you know, uh, about the Bengals. The Bengals are the big team in Lexington for the most part. A lot of Bengals fans. And uh, so he asked me about the Bengals. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm high on the Bengals. I think they've got a very talented team. I think they've gotten much better. I am all in on Joe Burrow. I think he's a great quarterback, and uh, they got to keep him healthy, no doubt about it. They've got to improve and continue to improve on the offensive line. But I love what the Bengals are doing. But I started thinking through that division, Dad. you got the Bengals, the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Browns. Um, you look at the Bengals. They're young, coming up. There's, there's, there's positivity brewing in Cincinnati. You look at Pittsburgh – and you've got Ben Roethlisberger, who's aging, and you know there's a lot of question marks around him. Then you look at Baltimore. They really didn't look good last year. And I like Lamar Jackson. I like John Harbaugh. I like Greg Roman. I like what they do, but it didn't look good last year, almost like they've been figured out. And then you've got Cleveland, who's got all of the talent in the world, but they still, even though they made the playoffs, even though they look good at times, they still have not crossed that next step to what the talent on their team should be versus what it is. And they had a new coach last year, and they've improved. Uh, so and I look at the NFC North, and I'm kind of gearing it around the Bengals here, but you can go any direction you want with it. Is there a clear, like, best team in the AFC North? Um, no. I mean, looking at it right now, no, because like you pointed it out, you probably have to say Cleveland is going to be the best team. But are they going to be able to really uh, produce? Pittsburgh, you know, you keep thinking they're really going to take a slide, but they always are competitive. Um, same way, you know, Harbaugh's a good coach. Um, Lamar Jackson's got great potential. You know, I don't think they're going to just go away. And the Bengals, you know, being up here, of course, a lot of Browns fans, but a lot of Bengals fans, I've been kind of surprised. Um, you know, they haven't, they haven't had a lot to cheer about lately, but they are really excited um, about this. So I think the Bengals have tools. The Bengals could be better. Uh, as I was thinking about it today, I think it's like probably on any division, 
but it'll have to do with division games. Um, yeah. If this division, if everybody goes three and three and Cincinnati stays in the hunt, you know, I think any, anything could happen. If a team can dominate and go five and one in the division, then they're going to have a real, um, a real upper hand. If Cincinnati could win the majority of games in the division, um, and then you know, I didn't look at the schedules. I do know that they played the NFC North um, is who is who they play this year in the NFC, mm-hmm. and so we'll see. You know, I think Green Bay will be very tough. Uh, for any of them, but you know what's going to happen after that? Minnesota, you don't know. Chicago, you don't really know. Um, Detroit, um, you know, you want to play them later in the year because you know your kneecaps are going to get bitten, and <laughs> you don't want to be hobbling through the season. So you know, it probably depends when you get them. Um, and then, of course, they'll all play different teams. Cincinnati will play lower teams, obviously, because that's where they finished. Um, but I, you know, I think they have a chance to do um, really well. There's going to be a lot of excitement. Their fan base creates a lot of excitement. Um, you know, a good atmosphere in the jungle, as they call it. But Cleveland has the same thing with the dog pound and everybody there. And uh, I think that the key is going to be on both those coaches. Um, a different look, but Cleveland, their coach has got the talent. Can he make it work? where they can be as dominant as they need to be. Cincinnati, um, you know, they've got potential. Is this the coach that can take them there? Um, He could have kind of a short leash because they've got talent there. They could bring in a coach, but he may be the the guy. It'll all be the matter of rallying the team, um, having a system, getting people to buy in. I think both those coaches are really going to be tested. Um, the other two coaches in the division, you know, are, it's a different situation. They're very veterans, had a lot of success, and um, different there. And like you said, probably the big question is, is Pittsburgh, are they really going to fall off, or are they going to be tough to handle week after week? Is Roethlisberger going to have a final hoorah, be really good? Juju stayed. That probably is a help from there. They've got a running game. Uh, it's like they always have a good defense. Um, and the same way with, with Baltimore, you know, the question has kind of come up, and you brought it up, I think, you know, Jamar, Lamar Jackson, well, can he win in the playoffs? Can he win the big one? But he's been very good during the year. And um, so if he, if, he, if he continues to be well, I'm always worried about a quarterback that runs and gets hit as much as he does as far as durability. Uh, but I think he can lead the team in a lot of ways. So this should be a very interesting division to watch. Yeah, Lamar's done a good job of not getting hit too hard, but he is gonna he is gonna get hit because uh, he does run. Right now, the way I see it, I think it goes Cleveland, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. Uh, I just cannot see Pittsburgh being good enough. Uh, they drafted a running back. You know, does that help them enough? I don't know. Is their offensive line good enough? They've made changes there. They've cut DeCastro because he's injured. They bring in Trey Turner to replace him. So maybe that works. I don't know. I don't trust Ben Roethlisberger at this point in his career, and they don't have a backup right now. They still have Mason Rudolph. They've got Dwayne Haskins, but they're not ready for this year. It doesn't appear, at least to me, that they are. Cincinnati's going to improve, but they're not better than Baltimore, and they're not better than Cleveland. Baltimore, you know, 
I think it's hard to say can Lamar win the big one or can he win in the playoffs because you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, um, what might come out to be the best quarterback ever if he keeps up the pace that he's on. You know, and I just don't know that that's fair to say can he win the big one when he's going up one of the greatest, at least currently one of the best players in the NFL and an offense that's just dynamic. So that's going to be more on the defense and on the coaching staff to find a way to win those games, I think, at least personally. Um, Cleveland, they've got too much talent to not win the division. If they don't win the division, it'll be an embarrassment. Um, this, you know, this is their time. They've got, they've got everything they need right now. This is their time. They need to make it happen now because it's going to start to close. That window will start to close on them pretty fast. Even if Baker plays well, um, then they've got a great running game, but, uh, the offensive line's getting old. The receivers are dramatic. So you're going to have to make sure you take advantage of the time that you have. I'm ready for football season. I'm ready for everything to come around. We will be previewing all the NFL teams as we get closer to the NFL season. Last thing today, the UFC announced uh, that they are going to be having a Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gaon UFC 265 August the 7th as the interim heavyweight title, meaning Francis Ngannou is waiting for the winner of this fight, a little bit of a surprise that we're going to wait that long to see Francis Ngannou again. But I am all for watching Derek Lewis beat the tar out of Cyril Gaon and uh, ready for Cyril Gaon to finally lose a match. He's 9-0, and I believe, now. And uh, I never pick a Frenchman, and I've been wrong multiple times now when Cyril Gaon fights. So I'm ready for Derek Lewis. Give him one good whack in the chin and watch Gaon fall to the ground and be done with. And uh, then we might finally get the Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis fight that all heavyweight fans want to see. Uh, you know, Dad, heavyweight has been the thing, right? Boxing, it was always the heavyweight uh, champion. That was the big thing. It's no different in the UFC. They That is right now the uh, category you want to see, the weight class you want to see. And Derek Lewis, the black beast, he is uh, incredible. He is a puncher uh, beyond punchers, and uh, that's going to be a good fight uh, nonetheless. All right, that's coming up August the 7th, by the way, uh, UFC 265. Make sure you go to the comment section, to the YouTube description, to the podcast notes, and find the links for Skull Candy and Yeti Coolers. Click on those links. That way they know that we sent you and find yourself a new set of headphones, earbuds from Skull Candy, or a cooler, uh, the new luggage that Yeti Coolers has. It's all there for you. Use those links, please. We would be greatly appreciative of it. We're going to be back on Thursday night, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, live on all platforms. So make sure you tune in. Subscribe to the podcast. You can find it anywhere you find your podcast. The Sports Stove Podcast is there as well. You can always reach out to us on Twitter at Sports Stove. Um, on Instagram, we're there as well. Uh, wherever you're, you're listening or watching, you can always reach out to us as well. And uh, we're excited. We're working on some guests. We don't have any uh, big announcements to make just yet. Working on some guests that hopefully we'll have for you very soon as well. Dad, thank you for joining us. Listeners, thank you for tuning in tonight. Until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove. <laughs>